0: So, as you all know, uh we were supposed to have Bud and Lois Boops here today, uh they were not able to make it and I think it was probably a good choice for a number of reasons. I can imagine if we had snow here it's probably worse heading towards Billings. Uh the COVID is here and things like that. So they we've scheduled or we are looking to reschedule them for another time. Uh but I had so I hadn't planned on preaching until uh, about Monday, which is certainly plenty of time to plan what I was going to preach. Um, I, I, in the back of my mind, I've been working on this idea of what could I do to put on the computer. So someday if I got sick on a Saturday night, I didn't have to call Steve and say, hey, Steve, what can you put together for church? And you could just watch that instead. And uh, obviously God says, you know what, we're going to be preaching. I said, I'm just going to use this passage that I was working on. And I feel like it was a, it's a good passage uh, to be looking at today. Uh, with the way life is going and how things um, don't always turn out the way that we want them to. And when they don't turn out how we want them to, how do we respond to those kinds of situations? We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 14. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've been looking at Habakkuk about, oh God, where are you? Oh God, are you sure you know what you're doing? And oh God, I'm going to trust you. Because the people of Judah were going to be going to Babylon. And so now we fast forward to Jeremiah. Uh, chapter 29, and they are, have arrived there, they are in Babylon, and they don't like it, and people are telling them something contrary to what God is telling them. And so Jeremiah is writing them to let them know how are they supposed to handle this situation. <clears throat> and you might find yourself in a situation you don't want to be in today. You might look and say, uh, what are you doing God politically? I don't like the direction our country is going. Um, Last Tuesday was our election, and we still don't have that officially solved. I mean, whatever it is it's going to be, but you may say, I don't like that. You might find yourself as part of a career saying, I hate my job. I hate my coworkers. I don't like my boss. I get lousy pay, and I have to work long extra hours. You might find yourself in a permanent relationship that you say, I wish I didn't have to be a part of this anymore. I regret making this past decision. You know, behind this, up, up in front of everybody, Josh is wonderful, but behind the scenes, Josh is the biggest jerk you never ever met. Um, you might be, uh, made a commit, something as simple as making a commitment to a contract, and you realize as you're going through this, that this was a raw deal for you. You're, you're having to give way more than you're getting out of it. It's more than you bargained for. And what do we normally do or want to do in those kinds of situations? I've already admitted to you that I was the world's greatest quitter last week. I quit my jobs, I quit football, I quit all sorts of things, because I did not like you. And you might, you might uh, be in that same boat, or, or feel like being in that same boat. Um, and, and certainly there are times to leave situations, uh, but not every time. And what we're going to be looking at today is what God tells the people of Judah, while they are captives in Babylon, He says, Suck it up and bloom where you are planted. So I want to read Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 14, and this is how God tells the people of Judah to handle their time in captivity. I'm going to skip verses two and three because it gets kind of cluttered trying to read those parts, but you get the idea based off of what we're going to be looking at today. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 14, it says this is the text that, of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders. Among the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people, Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 4 says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and meet what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not decrease. Verse 7 says, Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yet this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not, list, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me with with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile. I want to pray one more time. God, again, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for how you, it's applicable to our lives. This was written thousands of years ago to your people in Judah, but we can find relevant and meaning application to our lives today, whatever situation we are in. I thank you that your word is living and active, and it's life-changing. Please let us see it that way. Take from this what you want us to glean from this, and walk away from this church today confident that you are good and that you are in control of whatever is going on. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, last week we said the people of Judah, they found themselves, uh, they were heading to Babylon in a distant future, and today we find out that they have finally arrived, for their 70-year sentence. And through this passage, we've we've discovered what the message of the title is, To Bloom Where You Are Planted, which, as you know, is obviously easier said than done. I can tell you, whatever struggle you're going through in life, suck it up and just keep going, but that's not always the the case. Um, So first of all, we're going to see man's problem, like I have right now. Man's problem, the situations that they find themselves in. Um, And this is a letter that, in this passage, it's a letter that's written to the people of Judah who are captive in Babylon. I want to read this one more time, just the first verse. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles. To the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is the situation that these people are in. they're captives in Babylon, and it 's going to be for the next seventy years and Jeremiah is writing this letter because there are people who are telling them something different in chapter twenty eight verse two and three you find out that uh, there's a prophet who is telling Jeremiah and telling the people that you know what it 's only going to take two years within two years of this seventy year sentence God's going to uh, sa- save the day he 's going to remove you from. Babylon and take you back to your homeland. And Jeremiah is writing, Wait a second, that's not really true. We read in verses eight and nine how there's prophets, there's people, there's that are having dreams that are living there, that are trying to give the people hope, saying this is not going to be as bad as expected. It's not going to take as long. And they're it's wishful thinking. They're they're hearing the things that they want to hear and the people want to believe those things. And so Jeremiah is writing to say, Wait a second, folks, it is not going to be the case. The book of, uh, this, this passage is all about the people of Judah who are reaping what they sowed. They, they, are, they have a, 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 a situation that they have found themselves in, and they find themselves there because they have put themselves there. Um, but they're not the only people who ever did that in Scripture. They are not the only people ever since then who have put themselves in a bad situation that they don't want to be. A couple examples that might come to mind. Adam and Eve, they had the perfect Garden of Eden. They had no kids. Okay, it wasn't quite perfect, okay? It was was close. They had everything that they needed to succeed. And what did they do? They ate the forbidden fruit, and they reaped the consequences. They were banned from the Garden of Eden. All of a sudden, Eve was going to increase in pain when she was delivering a child. All of a sudden, there were thorns and thistles and weeds that we still curse Adam for today, right? The, when we're planting, it's it was we're reaping what we sowed, and they reap what they sowed. Uh, Jonah, here was a guy who says, "I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to hop on the ship." And God creates this great big storm. Finally, in order to stop that, He says, "Toss me overboard." And as soon as they did, the sea was calm. Jonah got swallowed by a great big fish, and still had to go anyway. But Jonah was choosing to go against what God wanted. And God says, wait a second, you're still going to face the consequences. Your, your choices are self-inflicted consequences. Uh, you have uh, David with Bathsheba. He had an affair with her. He thought everything was totally fine. He's getting away with it. He got rid of Uriah. Oh, Bathsheba's pregnant. Okay, we've got to deal with that. And ultimately, what was the outcome of that? The little baby died that Bathsheba bore. It was self-inflicted. Had Adam and Eve never ate the fruit, had Jonah just went and said, okay, God, I'm going to do this, had Solomon er, and Bathsheba never got together, that never would have happened. It was all completely self-inflicted. And God told the people, He says, look, if you guys are willing to repent and turn back to me, you are going to reap a blessing. But if you don't, you're going to reap what you deserve, what you uh, are asking for. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 7 to 8. It says, And if, uh, if at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. This is the message Jeremiah is telling the people. If you guys will turn away from your false gods and you will follow me, you don't have to go through this. This 70 years is a long time. But they decided that they were going to do their own choices anyway. It says, now therefore, say to the people of Judah and to those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you, so turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. They have had all the warnings, they have all the encouragement to do the right thing, for 23 years, Jeremiah has been preaching through the book of Jeremiah, telling these people, look, this is what you have to expect if you choose to do the wrong thing. Man's problem, and that day is the same as today, much of it is self-inflicted. People never change. You know, most of my problems in my life have been self-inflicted. Um, the only thing that I can say that it, I is not self-inflicted was my gallbladder even though it really was self-inflicted based off of what I was eating. But, you know, I have, I have sore knees. I've had stitches in my life that were self-inflicted had I not been. Uh, for an example, uh, I, I, have, I have scars on both my knees, self-inflicted. I did ha- not have a knee replacement. The first was uh, at this retreat. Uh, I, we were playing Capture the Dark, a flag in the dark. Smart idea. And I was on the enemy lines, and I was going to get caught and so I just started running as fast as I can <laughs> through the dark and guess what I did I ran into a canoe and it split my knee wide open I got eight stitches in my knee self-inflicted uh, the other one is a chainsaw Uh and I thankfully God was very gracious to me on that one uh, but I was working with this kid and he was the slowest worker I ever saw in my life and Um, I said, this is how you do it. I got on my knees and I started cutting down trees as fast as I could because they were little trees. It kicked back right into my knee and I got 17 stitches. Self-inflicted. That's the story of my life. Jobs that I quit, uh, getting a speeding ticket, it was my decision to do what I did and I reap the consequences. And that's the story of a lot of people's decisions in life. Uh, They're self-inflicted. Going against what God has said in his scriptures, we reap the consequences of our actions. Uh, This first one, uh, people who are unequally yoked, and I've seen this time and time again where uh, kids, male and female, take this to heart. When you want to get married to somebody, make sure they believe in the Lord as you do. And If you don't know, believe in the Lord, then come to know the Lord and then pick a mate who believes in the Lord. Because there are so many times where people they fall in love with Prince Charming or, or Princess Juliet and they think, I we going to live happily ever after But then, you know, all the, the excitement and the feelings wear off and you start to struggle. You start to struggle with your marriage, with what you're going to spend your money on, uh, with your how you raise your kids, what kind of moral standards you're going to have and it's going to cause you problems. It works in the same with marriage as it does with business. We have to be very careful with who we line ourselves up, um, yoking ourselves with in business, because not every party, both sides, agree with every financial decision and and how that all works out. So, uh, going against God's word, one example is being unequally yoked. Another example is very straightforward. You shall not steal. Stealing is taking something that does not belong to you. It could be from your siblings. It could be from your parents. It could be from the office. Um, it could be from the store. You reap the consequences at some point. If you steal, you reap what you get. It's a self-inflicted punishment, and some people end up in jail forever because of their choices that they've made. Hanging out with the wrong crowds. Uh, self-inflicted problems that we put ourselves in. First Corinthians 15, 33 it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So one of the things that you may reap is you may become corrupt. I'm hanging out with this crowd long enough that what they do doesn't seem so wrong. Uh, or I'm hanging out with them and I'm just going to lump Josh in with those kids. He may, he may be a good kid, but if he's hanging out with the wrong crowd, he's going to get the bad reputation. may get blamed for doing something that I didn't do. But it, it, it all comes down, it's the choices that we make that are self-inflicted, going against what God's word says, and we reap the consequences. But sometimes we just go against our conscience. You know, it's not directly clear, is it clear in Scripture, but we, we deal with the, the consequences of our actions. Uh, for example, going in debt for a, purpose, uh, for a purchase. All of a sudden, it's self-inflicted, and I, I, I'm sweating, and I'm nervous, and I'm worried, and I'm concerned. How am I going to get through this? Uh, maybe it's a career. God's saying, you know what, Josh, I want you to do this. Or who I'm going to pick on, Caleb. Caleb, I want you to go to Bible school and become a missionary. And Caleb says, no way. I'm going to the NBA. And Caleb never makes it to the NBA because that's not what God wanted for him. God says, this is what I want you to do to succeed. And it's going against our own consciences. It's self-inflicted. And we reap the consequences of our actions. Or responding to peer pressure. And we reap the, the, the consequences of those actions. When I was a kid, I'm I'm trying to convince, explain to my kids about that. You reap what you sow. Next week we're going to be talking about that, about making sure that you're standing up for the right thing and not giving in to peer pressure. And I was a kid who gave in to peer pressure. Uh, when I was at Christian Heritage, uh, we were outside on a field trip, and we had, we had a school with two doors, one on either end, that once the door shut, it was locked. And one of my friends, my good friends, said, Hey, Josh, as we're heading to the back door, pull the door stopper out. So we'll get there, and then we'll have to turn all the way around and go to the front door and get to class. Okay, I'll do that. So I ran up ahead, and I pulled the door stopper out. And we all got up there, and guess what I reaped? What was my my consequence was I got to march by myself to the principal's office. Because bad company corrupts good morals. I made a bad choice by listening to my friends. It was self-inflicted. God knew what I was telling me, don't do that yet. But I did it anyway. You reap what you sow. But sometimes the problems that we face in life aren't self-inflicted. Sometimes they are God-allowed problems. You know, people here are sick. I mean, people have COVID in their church. They didn't do anything to get that. You think about Job in the Bible. He didn't deserve the the stuff that he went through. Uh, People have asthma. People have cancer. It's just something that God allowed. A flat tire on the side of the road. Brand new tires a couple of weeks ago. No reason for it. A loss of a job. No reason for some of these things. It's just the company downsizing. But the idea that I want, I'm want, trying to drive out is that sometimes we find ourselves in a situation that is unfair or that we do not want to be in. How are we going to handle it? How do I handle the problems that I don't want? Uh, and that we're going to look at here is, is how to handle it, not how to fix it. It's not the idea of getting out of my problem, but how do I survive the situation that I find myself in? Because there are going to be people in your life who are going to tell you what you want to hear. Man says, if you don't like it, you can leave. And I've heard that a lot. Uh, If you don't like that man, you just divorce him. If you don't like your job, you just quit it. If you don't like whatever it is that you're a part of, just walk away from it. That's man's advice. And I like that advice. Because that means I can do it too. If I don't like something, I can leave. But maybe God has something different in mind. Maybe God says, you know what, Josh? I want you to stay in that situation that you don't want to be in. But what do we do? do what, What options does God give us? What is He asking us to possibly do? Well, here's what He told to the people of Judah in chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Babylon, from Jerusalem to Babylon. First, he says, build houses and settle down. You're going to be there for a long time. You're going to need a place to stay. He says, plant gardens and eat what they produce. You're going to need to eat while you're there for 70 years. He says, marry and have sons and daughters. Life still must go on. He says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. You have to leave there too. He says, promote the peace. You try to make sure that you you follow you are a peaceful person. You try to make sure that everybody else lives in peace and that you, um, you don't cause trouble, that you follow the laws that are placed over you. And the toughest thing, he says, is to pray for, your, for the, the people who are in charge of you. He says, if, if they prosper, guess what? Judah, you're going to prosper as well. How easy do you think it was for them to hear those words? We can just read that and say, yep, we just move on and think it was a pizza cake. I bet there were a lot of people who were not happy with it. I personally would not be happy with that either. I just got put into captivity 70 years. I'm 42, 70 years, I'm going to be dead. I'm never going to get out of captivity if I stay there this whole time. And you want me to stay? You know, I kind of like the, I'd be tempted to do what uh, happens in war movies, um, The Great Escape. I think they were in prison for two hours before they, tried, they started trying to escape. But God says, you know what? You find yourself there, you plume where you are planted. Now, we all know plants grow. You know, this. to me, this looks like a healthy soil, healthy plants that are growing in ideal kind of uh, conditions. Sunlight, water, soil, nutrients. And as long as those needs are met, plants are going to bloom as, as good as they can possibly bloom. They're going to have a dynamite crop as long as the ideal conditions are met. But what happens when the plant gets planted somewhere it doesn't really want to grow? What does it do? Does it just refuse? Does it give up? It can't leave. What does it do? The plant does its level best to grow wherever it is placed. I mean, if a plant could leave um, the seeds, I guarantee you there is no plant seed that would come to me. I do not have a green thumb. They'll go to Darren or they'll go to somebody else to Melissa who can grow a garden. But they're not coming to me if they have the choice. But they don't have a choice. They get put in the ground. They say, Josh, I hope you water it. I know God's going to do his part. Help me out here. But they're going to do their level best. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. And whatever situation you're in is to do your level blessed best to bloom where you are planted. To have a good attitude. Uh, to, to seek peace. To, to make God proud. Don't give up. Keep struggling. Keep fighting to do what is best. So, the, the three pieces of um, application that I'll give you, they're on the back of the bulletin, if you happen to have those, or have one. Uh, the first thing is to make the best of your situation. Whatever situation you are in, make the best of it. If it's at work, make sure that you are showing up on time. Make sure that you are working hard. You're doing the best that you can. Uh, Romans 13, 1 says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. The, exor- the authorities that exist have been established by God. Whatever authority you find yourself under, make the best of it. Do your level best uh, for that boss. Work as if you're doing it for the Lord. The second thing is to pray for that situation. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, I urge then, first of all, that request prayers intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone so i need that means the boss that i don't like i need to be praying for that boss for my spouse i can't stand uh... for the government that i don't agree with whatever it is in your life the issue that you have your job is to pray for them we need to be praying for their good because what happens to my boss's company guess what it happens to me as well if he succeeds and he flourishes, I'm blessed. If he's corrupt and and crooked, I'm going to reap the consequences of his actions. So pray for their good. Pray for their salvation. If they don't know Jesus, they still need Jesus. Whatever situation is, their need for Jesus is bigger than whatever uh, position that they have. Whether it's your spouse or the the boss or whatever, their needing Jesus is a bigger issue than whatever they do to us we need to pray that they follow after God. Because we saw last week, Proverbs 21, verse 1, God can direct their heart like a water court. It's no big deal to Him to move it wherever He wants to go. And so we need to pray that God would direct their heart however it is that He wants them to be. And I know that's not what you wanted to hear. Believe me, that's not the answer that I wanted to give. I want to tell you to flee, to divorce, to run away, to quit. But until God gives you that clear answer that that's what you're supposed to do, we need to stay. I told you when I was making dentures, I was determined. I mean, that was, like I said, I was the quitter until I got married and my wife wouldn't let me do it. And I stayed. And I was determined to stay. I'd be there today, well, except for Sunday, but I would be there tomorrow had God not intervened. But you know what I didn't do for that, that I should have done? Shame on me for not doing. You really want to take a guess? I didn't pray for that company. I didn't pray for my boss. I didn't pray for the manager. I didn't pray for any of it. I just hated it and said, I'm going to stay put because you're making me stay put. And I'm not leaving, but I did not pray. Life could have been a lot better for the dentist. I might still be there. I might be the world's greatest denture maker. I might still be here today. But I, whatever, it doesn't matter. I should be praying for them, and I did not do it. The third thing that we can do is to put your hope in the Lord in spite of your situation. This very famous verse that we all know, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The King James says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. These people were told exactly what to look forward to. To 70 years of captivity. They didn't want to be there. They didn't want to. They they wanted to leave. I mean, there's there's borders to the country. I think a lot of them would probably try to escape. He says, I just want you to stay. And and make the best of your situation. And remember God's faithfulness. Because he says, I have a plan for you. I know what I'm doing. Remember what we looked at the last couple of weeks. Is that god has a plan he knows what he's doing he's he's had this plan ever since the beginning of creation he's in control of that plan it's not like he's trying to make it up on the fly he's not trying to hold all the balls in the air and he's going to accomplish something in that his plan will happen and it says just rely on me just trust me this is going to come to an end yes you have 70 years of captivity. But at the end of that 70 years, you find in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3, that he brings them back. He says, this is what I'm going to do. And he does it. He says, just trust me. I have a plan. Now you think about your own situation. You think about your spouse. You think about your job. You think about that contract that you made that you want out of. You know, God didn't give you a warning specifically that I'm aware of that says, if you do this, this is going to happen. Like he gave with the people of Judah. He didn't say that you're going to have to wait five years for this. Or or ten months. Or he didn't give us a time frame. So we say, okay, good. I just got to get through this amount of time. We don't have a deadline as far as that goes. But we do know that God has a plan. He has something that he wants to accomplish. There's a purpose. There's an end in sight that he wants to do. He has something that he wants us to learn or to change about ourselves that we're not going to be able to change unless we go through this. Maybe it's just learning to trust God anyway. You know, this, this quote that we looked at last week, our joy is in, the, is in proportion to our trust. So the more I trust God, the more excitement and hope and joy I'm going to have in spite of my circumstances. But where do I get that trust from? My trust is in, uh, is in proportion to the knowledge of God. I think that's, this is one of the greatest quotes I've ever come across, He's saying, you want to be able to relax, you want to be able to have peace, he says, get in the word. Look at how God has proved himself faithful over and over again. He's been faithful before, he will be faithful again. So sometimes God might be saying, you know what, Josh, just learn to trust me. And believe me, I feel like I get that all the time. Most of my life, I felt like I just had been told to trust God in the situation. Sometimes it's something that we were never going to understand or know the outcome of, because God didn't tell it to us. And you know, um, maybe there's something, uh, a job that you're dealing with, uh, you're supposed to learn this lesson, and so you can move on and you'll be a better person. You know, I think the the more times I quit the jobs, God's like, we're just resetting. We're resetting. You didn't learn to be patient. We're going to reset. <laughs> you didn't learn to trust me. We're going to reset, Josh. And as many times as it takes. For you to learn this lesson, we're going to do it over until finally Josh learns he's going to live, he's learning to trust, he's learning to persevere, and then Josh keeps going. So maybe, maybe that's why. I mean, maybe that would be something that you come and you learn. Maybe it's the relationship that you're in that you say, I hate this, I hate this person. Uh, maybe at some point that person is going to change. Instead of being this person that I can't stand, you can say, this person is now the love of my life. I'm so glad that I didn't give up on this person because look what they are now. Look at I think about kids who are, you, you love kids. Kids, remember this, you love your kids when you have kids. At some point in life, they become knuckleheads. They become irritating. They become a frustration and you think, what was I ever thinking? My life would be so much easier without kids. But at some point you go, I'm so glad that I didn't disown them. Then I kept them because look what they have become. They're a quality adult. They gave grandkids. They're, uh, they've, they're, they've contributed to society in a positive way, and I am proud of them. So hang on to that relationship. God may have something he wants to do. Uh, the contract that you signed that you wish, wish, wish you didn't sign, maybe it's going to keep you from signing a bigger, worse contract later because now finally I have learned my lesson. So, so maybe it's just that I'm learning to trust God. Maybe there's something bigger that I cannot see. Or maybe it's just the effect of the decision of other people. I didn't choose to have my parents, and I can't, I'm frustrated with them, and I can't stand them. Um, you know, you think about Habakkuk. He was told, hey, this is coming. He's asking God why. He's frustrated about what God is allowing. And Habakkuk was going to go into captivity, and I imagine if he was alive by the time that point came, he probably died there. And it wasn't even his fault. He had nothing to do with it. You think about Ezekiel and Daniel and his three friends who went into captivity. Daniel lived there, lived long enough, I think, to see the end of it. But he had to spend his whole useful life there. I finally got away from my parents, and this is, this is where I ended up. But it was the effect of other people's decisions. But we're supposed to be trusting God and for His faithfulness at those times anyway. So do you feel stuck? Do you find yourself somewhere you don't want to be? Whether it's with the the political system, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with the job, whether um, whether it's a choice that you yourself made, or whether it's a choice that God just allowed to take place. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to try and flee as fast as you can? Are you going to throw the grown-up temper tantrum? or are are you willing to wait and say, okay, God, you're in charge, you're in control. I'm just going to remember your faithfulness and trust you for your faithfulness as we go forward. And I know there's times to make a change. There's times to quit. There's times to leave. There's times to say no more. But before you decide to do that, I just want to throw out a couple quick thoughts on, on what do I do? You know, first thing I would consider. Uh, doing is to pray about it. You know, at some point, in Leslie, when we were in our lifetime, we wanted to make a change, and somebody told us, pray about it for a whole month. And so we did. We prayed about it faithfully for a whole month, and we we felt the decision was to go this way as opposed to this way. Whereas had we just made a rash decision, we would have went this way. But we prayed about it for a whole month, and we went that way. Uh, So I would encourage you, Set aside a time and really pray for God's direction. Because if it's time to leave, if it's time to quit, if it's time to give up, so be it. Because there are things like that in life. second thing I would do is encourage godly counsel. Somebody who's willing to make you look at the pros and cons, the positives and the negatives, before you make a decision. Someone who's going to not just tell you what you want to hear, but someone who's going to help you make a good, uh, informed decision. Just don't flee on a whim. Just don't quit because at the moment I've I've just reached my full anger potential and I don't want to do it anymore. Take time uh, to pray about it. Take time to seek God the cancel. Because God might just have some unseen purpose for you in that, that he wants you to learn, that he wants to use you to affect or impact the lives of others. Just remember, God is good. God is loving. God is in control. And just be encouraged to put your hope in Him and to trust Him in spite of whatever is going on in your life. Let's pray. Father God, You are good. And You are in control of every aspect of our life. You're the one who gives us breath. You're the one that keeps us safe while we're driving down the road. You're the one that gives us a job to work at or a mate to live with. God, You are uh, in charge of it all, and we are so grateful for that. God, I know that sometimes we put ourselves in situations that we don't want to be, and we don't like those the outcome. And sometimes, God, you put us in situations that we don't like. God, please help us to remember to trust you anyway, to remember how faithful you were in the past, uh, and to rely on that faithfulness for the future. Please help us to be able to, to see how to respond in that situation, to make the best of it, to bloom where we are planting, to be the best testimony that you want us to be. God, I, again, I just I thank you for this message and how you spoke to me through it. And I just pray that, God, we would remember this as we move forward to always to trust you and to follow your will and your timing in spite of what the way things seem to be in our own lives. And I pray, God, again, for those who are sick, that if we're not able to be here today, whether it's the COVID or the flu or just because they were exposed to somebody, please just touch their bodies in a special way so that they can get back here as quickly as possible. I pray this in Jesus' name.